Greetings to those who watch below. Before we start today's stories, I'd like to say a massive thank you to those who dwell below. Ghost City Shelton, Lefty Kim, Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Jess Black Curtain, and Aztec Priest. They are part of an exclusive channel membership that gets you shoutouts at the start of every video. The topic of today's video was one of the most popular ones of last year, so I thought we'd go for another round. These are some true terrifying witch stories. La Bruja by Jasmine314 This story takes place in the beautiful country of Mexico. I was about 10 years old. My family planned a vacation to my mother's hometown in Mexico. We live in Missouri and decided to drive there, so we had about a two-day commute. Everything was fine until we reached the border of Texas and Mexico. We noticed that my mother was asleep, and it looked as though she was having a nightmare. She began screaming, No! No! Don't touch me! Leave my family alone! Then she woke up. We asked her what happened. She said that she'd dreamt as we were crossing the border, all of the dead souls of Mexico began to surround the car and reach their arms into the car, grabbing her and the rest of us. She said there were hundreds of them, and they were trying to stop us from getting in. The odd thing about this is she dreamt about being at the border, when in reality, we were actually at the border. She couldn't have known this, she was sleeping. So, we made it through the border, and about eight hours later, we made it to her hometown, Ario de Rayon. I don't remember much about the visit, but I do remember the day we went for a walk through the woods. It was a normal day, and me and my brother and sisters decided there was absolutely nothing to do. All of the elders got together to make lunch, and we somehow were the only children there. We ate lunch, and decided to go on a journey through the woods. Little did we know, it was a bad idea. We walked down the dirt road until it came to a dead end. From there, we walked through the plains that lead into a wooded area. We walked about a hundred feet into the woods, then it began to storm out of nowhere. This was very odd, because it was a very sunny day, and there was no sign of a storm coming. We all looked at each other very confused. Then, all of a sudden, we heard a woman cry. Her cry was painful, and would end with a scream. I was so frightened. We all just stood there frozen and didn't say a word. The cry began to sound like it was getting closer. We just stood there, waiting to see what would happen. Suddenly, my sister let out the most horrifying scream ever. The rest of us looked at her, and she was staring up into the trees. We all looked to see what she was looking at. I will never forget that scream, and I will never forget what I saw in the trees that day. A woman, crucified about forty feet up the tree. She looked down at us as we looked up at her. She was wearing a faded, black, torn dress. Her hair was dark and tangled. She had scars on her face and legs. She looked like a zombie. After a few seconds of us screaming and crying, we began to sprint out the woods. We looked back, and the woman was gone, but we kept running. As soon as we hit the plains, there was no more rain. We stopped running and recollected ourselves. We didn't understand why it wasn't raining anymore, and it looked like it had never rained. We walked back into the town, and gathered with the elders. They noticed right away the terror in our faces, and asked where we'd been. We told them our story, and to our surprise, they believed us. We cried as we told the story, and then sat back to hear the elders' explanation. They explained that about a hundred years ago, there was a woman 
who was accused of being a witch. She was murdered by the townspeople. Before her assassination, when she would walk the streets, people would often throw things at her. Some would even throw crucifixes. My grandmother said that there had been people that claimed to see her in the woods, but most of the reports were made by children. The raining was explained to be a sign of pain and sin. This encounter traumatised me as a child. I'll never forget the sound of the woman's cries, followed by lightning and thunder. I couldn't speak of this to other children in school, because nobody believed me. I once told my best friend, but she laughed and said I freaked her out. After that, she never talked to me again. From then on, I never told any of my stories to the kids at school. An African Witchcraft Haunting by Hamrama This ordeal turned a very religious, anti-paranormal family into stern believers. This story happened between 1986 and 1987. My father brought a farm in the Free State Province, which the locals called Gapamadi. It is Sotho for the place where the blood flows. The first week or so everything went without incident. I was about three at the time, so this story is partly what I can remember, and mostly what I've been told. Around the third night in the new farmstead, there came a knock at the master bedroom's window. My dad opened the curtain to find no one there. Just as he got into bed for the second time, there it was again, but this time from the kitchen at the other end of the house. So, my dad got up, again, to find no one there. As he turned his back on the door, all hell broke loose. The knocking started again, but went in rapid succession from one window to the other, covering the whole house. As my dad gathered all of us together, it suddenly started raining stones. It went on like this for the rest of the night, until the first African plovers started their calls in the morning. Suddenly, all went completely silent. Apparently, it did not only torment us as the owners of the farm, the farm workers who were left the next morning didn't want to start work out of fear for the Tokoloshi. Things started slowly escalating from there on, as if it tested my parents' tolerance to its presence. I started calling for my mum lots of times while playing and bathing, telling her to make the uncle leave, only for her to find no one there. Other spirits also started walking around the house and garden, I believe that these were former owners and inhabitants of our farm. They appeared to be wearing clothes from the early 1900s. There was an older gentleman in his 60s smoking a pipe. The smell of pipe smoke would sometimes fill the living room, together with a young man around his early 30s haunting the house. On bright sunny days, a woman, also around her 30s, would be seen cutting roses from the formal rose garden. A young girl judged by her height to be around five years of age running around her mother, both of them wearing bonnets, as was the custom among boar folk for centuries. A few nights later, most of my family awoke, hearing the neighing of horses in the old stone corral. There was a sound of hooves on the ground, the muted voices of men talking or discussing something, the sound of the heavy old iron gates being swayed open, followed by a voice calling, Vowardsman! It roughly translates from Dutch, to charge men. The horses would then bolt from the open gates, circling the house, accompanied by the sound of horsewhips being used to encourage the horses to run faster. 
This usually lasted around 30 minutes every night. The creepy part is that the corral was used by the Boers during the Anglo-Boer War of 1899. There are also some British graves in the middle of one of the cornfields as a reminder of a Boer victory during some unnamed battle in the year 1900. One day, my mother cried out of fear. Our healthy Boer bulldogs were laying on their backs with their eyes turned into their sockets, mouths foaming. At first my parents thought that they were poisoned. My father fetched the pickup, put them on the back and rushed them toward town to take them to a vet. Just as my father exited the gate at the border of the farm, the dogs suddenly got up and acted as if nothing was wrong. This then continued countless more times, the dogs being immobilised for up to 15 minutes at a time. Things got even worse from this point onwards. The stone throwing escalated, the sound of stones raining on the corrugated roof got worse, and it started finding human targets to throw stones at. My father and my 17-year-old brother were on the patio one evening, as we had started to get used to it, as it had not hurt us at this time. Suddenly, a stone hit my brother on his forehead, immediately forming a bump. My father and brother both described the sound as a high-pitched whizzing noise, as if it had been shot from a slingshot. The next day, my father installed strong spotlights around the house and cut all of the lovely fruit trees surrounding it in an attempt to catch the culprits, to no avail. Everything continued as usual, with no one in sight. It seems as if the rocks being thrown materialised from thin air. At this stage, it started to focus on my brother. He stayed in his own roomy one-bedroom flat, about ten metres from the main house, as it had only three bedrooms, and we were four children. He was studying for a year-end exam, when something unseen but hairy and touchable started attacking him from behind. My brother was into bodybuilding at the stage, and already had the big burly Africana build of that age, standing 1.98 metres tall and 105 kilos heavy. The thing strangled him for 25 minutes on and off. It was an epic struggle. When he finally broke loose from the creature's grip, he was covered in blood and looked like he was strangled using a garrote wire, his chest cut by claws or blunt metal blades. Today, in his 40s, he still bears the scars on his chest. He was not the only victim, as it turned out. My mum was laying on the bed, reading as she usually did in the afternoon, when suddenly she became paralysed by something unseen. Shortly thereafter, a bulldog appeared in the bedroom door. My mother said it felt like an eternity, as she soaked in every detail of the entity. It was also a Boerbell dog, but he had a white spot between his eyes, whereas ours had black masks. His face was tinted reddish-pink, as if by blood, red slime dripping from his mouth. The dog then started to proceed towards her, jumping on the bed and climbing onto her, pinning her down and paralysing her, just staring her in the eyes. After what must have felt like an eternity, he just jumped off and left the room. It happened a few more times, even at night with my father next to her. Though being paralysed, she could not alert him. My aunt, being a stout Christian, came to visit, as she did not believe the accounts related to her by my mother. My niece, who was around 15, came with her. The first night there, activity was a bit quieter. 
my sister and my niece were sitting in the bath that evening, when a stone came flying through the window, cracking the bath between them. That first stone seemed to act like a catalyst, as the now normal activity immediately resumed. My aunt decided to brave the night and sleep over. When we woke up the next morning, my aunt and niece were gone. They had packed their bags in the middle of the night and started to drive the nearly 400 kilometres home. I actually admired her for her bravery as she had to go outside and walk to her car. She said something had happened in the spare bedroom shortly after switching the lights off. Until this day, she refuses to tell us what exactly did happen. Although the activity usually started around dusk and continued until the first African plovers called in the early hours of the morning, activity started to happen during daylight hours as well. There would be whispering around the house, two dark shadows moving throughout. These same two shadows also circled the house every night. We believe that they were the cause for the poltergeist-like activity. It is actually reported by natives that Tokoloshes work in pairs. The only time activity now ceased was when the police, or people who did not have a close bond to the family visited, immediately resuming after they left. It was also at this time that spontaneous fires started around the employees' homes. It started out almost as if harmless, but one day some of the employees came bashing at the door, screaming that one of the other workers' homes was burning down, with flames already seeping through the windows. He was on leave, and the door was locked from the outside with a strong deadbolt. When the door was finally opened, they witnessed that only the edges of the kitchen cupboards were burning. After the flames were extinguished, and all of the smoke subsided, they were shocked to find that there was no damage apart from the burst windows and smoke damage. My parents were now desperate, as my father had put all their savings into a deposit for the farm. Selling it would have financially ruined them. The church didn't seem to care. Besides, they alleged that my parents did this for attention. My parents used to be respected people in town, as my father was head of the traffic department and a deacon in church. Suddenly, people laughed behind their backs. Most of the town had abandoned my family at this stage, and some even accused my brother of staging it all. My dad was fed up that nothing had worked, and contacted a traditional African witch doctor he had heard of. When the witch doctor came, he first asked for a glass of water, looked into it, and told my father things of a very personal nature that few people knew of, certainly no one in the town we lived in. The witch doctor started to perform a cleansing ritual before he removed a few boxes filled with stuff like fingernail clippings and hair. He then went on to tell my dad that the previous owner had put a curse on the farm as he was pissed off as he went bankrupt and wanted no one else to stay for too long. The night after the cleansing, a storm came, but instead of thunder, there was the crying of a baby. The wind blew from the one border fence of the farm to the other, and then almost everything stopped, as suddenly as it started. Most will not believe my story, but trust me, sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. The Haunting at Riverside Park by Kodak my family moved to a house located two blocks from Riverside Park in Wausau, Wisconsin, in 1989. 
the summer before I was to enter the second grade. Being that the park was close, the neighbourhood kids and I spent most of our summer vacation there, playing tag, fishing and bike riding. There is a bridge that connects the main park to another section called Ferns Island, obviously named because the area is surrounded by water. The water, of course, is jet black, either polluted or evil. The kids refuse to go to that section of park because it's the most haunted. The story went that hundreds of years ago, a witch inhabited the park area. There was a boy who was fishing in the area and fell in the river and drowned. The townspeople blamed the witch and burned her tiny hut. A bloody battle rose between the witch and the townspeople. Bodies of those townspeople who died were thrown in the river. Finally, when the battle ended, the townspeople buried their dead and left the area. The witch disappeared, but its spirit still roams the park. My cousins had an experience at Riverside once. One night, they were hanging out with friends in the parking lot, standing outside their cars and talking. The only source of light were the headlights of the vehicles. All of the park lights were dead. Gang members once infested the park, and the city had just given up on cleaning it up. The group heard slurping sounds and splashing water. They looked toward the river, and saw a dark figure hunched over near the riverbank, as if it was peeling and eating something. The figure turned around, and a pair of red eyes stared back at them. As the figure came closer, the group jumped into their cars and drove off, never looking back. They told this story to my father, and the next morning he went to investigate. He came back and reported that there were open crayfish shells and a decaying fish on the riverbank, but nothing more. The next story comes from my older brother, CK. CK worked the second shift, and he got off work at midnight. Having such a schedule, for weeks he hadn't seen his buddies. So, during one of his breaks, he called his friends and set up a time to hang out that night after work. They chose Riverside to meet up, since it was close to where the friends lived, and his workplace. After CK got off work, he drove past IGA, a supermarket, where he saw his buddies in the parking lot loading beer to the back trunk of their car. CK waved at them, and the guys waved back. CK went to Riverside to wait for them. He parked close to the riverbank, rolled down the driver's side window about an inch, then pulled down his seat and lay down looking at the night sky in his car. All of a sudden, he sees a woman with flowing blonde hair running past his car. She then came up to his window and tapped on it. CK got up and asked her what she wanted. At first he thought that she was a victim of rape, because her clothes were ripped and hair was distressed. The woman was in a hysterical mood and crying. She slid her fingers through the driver's window opening and told CK, Everyone's dying. You have to help me. An old witch is down there. She's killing everyone. She killed my family. It's so bloody down there. She wiggled her fingers towards CK. Thinking she was just another nut, CK quickly closed his window. The woman jumped back as CK backed out of the parking lot. Just as he was doing so, his buddies drove in the parking lot, and the woman walked in between the vehicles just as they were passing each other. CK got out of his car and ran towards his friends. The woman was nowhere to be seen. Did you see her? Tell me you saw her, CK shouted at his friends. Who? they asked. 
That woman. She ran right in between our cars just as you guys were coming in. We didn't see anyone, was the guy's response. Then CK said, Man, what took you so long? You guys were just at IGA. It only takes two minutes to get here. The guys looked at each other and said, What are you talking about? We were never at IGA. We came from the east side. We had to go pick up some stuff at my house. CK and the guys looked at each other and left for home. They never, ever met up at Riverside again. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, hitting the notification bell so that you'll know when the next video goes live. So until next time, sleep tight.